Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Pounds to Kilos. I know it has been a while. Um, I ask for your patience and understanding on that. I think when I started this podcast, um, I started at the end of the 2019 Open um, and we're going into a bunch of sanctionals event and it just made sense to have an update for you each week. I also had a number of exciting guests that I'd already booked in. And um, as we're sort of starting off the 2020 season, there just hasn't been quite... Um, what I feel is like, I don't want to just be producing episodes for the sake of producing them for you guys. I want it to have valuable and interesting um, content to it. Content is such a buzzword these days in this industry. And um, I just I just felt that as the open was going on, obviously the focus is very much on the open. And um, there's so much good stuff out there about how to do workouts and uh, how to warm up for workouts. And uh, that's not what this show is. Um, by the way, that stuff is awesome. It's just not what I'm providing. So I just sort of felt like any episodes in that time would have been a little bit drowned out by that taking place. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought I'd leave you to uh, focus on the Open, if you will. And now that the Open's over, I can uh, sort of do an assessment on that. And, and that'll certainly be in an episode coming up soon because... The Open uh, was an interesting one and we can uh, we can obviously discuss that at length. But today's episode is very much about my experience from the Torian Pro, which I just came back from. I was doing media for the Wad Life during that time. And um, this is not just going to be um, an assessment of the, um, the performance of the athletes, although I'm definitely going to look at that. But I just think that that event, it was... Uh, it was a special event to be part of, and it really reminded me of some key things that uh, are essential to a CrossFit uh, style competition. Uh, why do I say CrossFit style? Because it's not a sanctioned event from CrossFit, so it's technically not a CrossFit competition. It's a fitness competition, um, but it certainly could be a sanctional, um, or it, yeah, it could be. It could be. Um, a number it certainly would have the prerequisites to be a sanctional if, if the boys wanted to take it into there so today's episode is about a few things i wanted to discuss i mean i could have called it the four or five things i learned from the torian pro that'd be a little bit gimmicky it's not necessarily like that but um just some stuff that i want to share with you so the first thing that i thought i'd share is that i feel that there's a currently a swing back particularly in the australian competitive scene to some of the more old school competitors showing that they can still keep up with the young bucks. Um, Why do I say this? Uh, In particular, I'm looking at the individual competitors um, for the male and the female side of things. So um, the sport of CrossFit has changed significantly in the last few years. And certainly for a while there, particularly after a few of the CrossFit games, I think probably in my mind, 16 and 17 stand out as particularly high volume years. Um, I think there was a swing towards thinking that the young competitors that could tolerate huge amount of volume were best suited for the direction that the sport is moving. I think it's swung back the other way a little bit. Um, Sanctionals events can be high volume, but typically they're not just because they're trying to run so many people through different events. The CrossFit Games is definitely nowhere near as high volume as it once was, mainly because there's so many cuts. And we know the Open is not high volume. It's five workouts over five weeks. Torian was reasonable volume. Um, it wasn't crazy. It was a good good test of fitness, I thought. And the performance of people like Brandon Swan, Zeke Grove, 
Jess Coglin made me see that those competitors that have been there for years and years and years are still the people that you need to try and beat if you want to get a spot to the games or win a high-level CrossFit competition. Um, I think with people like Brandon, just because he hasn't been going to the games since 2014, there's this view that the the sport has gone you know past him potentially or past a competitor like that, and it's it's just not the case. Like he is still his performance on the weekend was absolutely unbelievable, and I can absolutely guarantee that. Um, for people that didn't like there's there'd be competitors that either a didn't finish on the podium or b weren't even in brandon's heat that train way more than him um and that's taking nothing away from brandon i just i actually interviewed him and i'll share that interview with you and i know that you know he's he's had a child recently and crossfit training is not nine till five he doesn't just train all day like some people who is competing against do i'm sure he trains reasonable volume that goes without saying um i know zeke is almost in the exact same boat um so he he's uh had a child and he's got a second child on the way and he's training lower volume um he talked to me about that and he talked about how rob forte who also had a stunning weekend almost beating rich froning um, they're all training lower volume and they're all still um, performing really, really well. Um, well. I spoke to Jess Coglin briefly. Her training um, schedule was interesting. She, she's been focusing a lot more on fitness. She's looking exceptionally fit right now. She's lost um, a little bit of body fat. She, she didn't have much to lose, but she certainly tied up her diet. But I remember seeing a post from Jess about she in winter, she only trains one session a day because she likes to get warm and get it all done. Um, and uh, I just thought it was cool that she said she was focusing more on fitness, not strength necessarily, because there's like obviously that trend of I have to get stronger. And um, in, in Jess's case, she had a remarkable weekend um, and, uh, and perhaps isn't training the crazy volume that, that people maybe think. Um, I spoke to Maddie Sturt as well. She was, obviously had a great weekend. Um, and, you know, she's just enjoying her training. Um, and sort of went in with this low stress attitude. But I guess uh, to reiterate, the point I want to make is that a a few years ago, it sort of felt like unless you were doing six hours a day, you wouldn't be competitive at an event like Torian. And I think the podium and the characters that made the podium would suggest otherwise right now. Maybe not all of them, but but it just really feels like there's a swing back towards... uh, I guess intensity over volume in terms of the programming we're seeing at competitions like sanctionals games and and something like Torian. So uh, yeah, that's the first sort of observation I have about that. Okay, my second observation um, from the Torian Pro is that Rich Froning for me is still the Babe Ruth, the Don Bradman, the John Coleman um, of our sport. if you don't know who any of those people are, they're like the, uh, maybe Michael Jordan is the best, oh, but people challenge Jordan with LeBron these days, so I'm not too sure. But the, the point being is he, is he is the first champion and he will always be that. And I think the Fraser Froning debate, for me, there's not really a debate anymore, unfortunately. I think Fraser's capacity is clearly greater than Froning's capacity ever was. 
But that's not that's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying that Froning's the original and he'll always be the original. And um, there's a there's a few reasons that to me it it really um, stands out. One, he's a beautiful mover. He's just he's just stunning to watch. And to say that he doesn't make mistakes would be incorrect. He definitely makes mistakes. Like he he caught certain snatches forward and, and stumbled a little bit, or there's some reps that are not as clean as others. But what I do notice is that whenever he makes a mistake, the next rep never has the same mistake, or it probably doesn't have a mistake at all. So he is the master of staying calm and adjusting on the fly and ensuring that if there is a, is a rep which is untidy, he can tidy it up. Um, he also is the master of pacing and strategy. Um, to watch him break up 20.5 like that and calmly go about his business, um, at that point in time, I hadn't really seen anyone break it up like that. And then he did it and then it sort of seemed like from that point onwards, everyone Everyone was breaking it up like that. Um, he's an extremely likable character. Um, he was amazing with the fans all weekend. Um, he put on a show for them without making it all about him. And uh, yeah, you just sort of, he's just one of those good guys in the sport that you'd just be hard pressed to find anyone that, that doesn't like him. I guess in CrossFit, we don't have teams that we, you know, barrack against. So. I can think of like in football, opposition players that I just can't dislike. In this scenario, it's like I just can't imagine anyone that doesn't like the way um, Rich goes about his business. And on a personal level, it was a real thrill to be able to speak to him and ask him a few questions. And he was amazingly open with uh, with media all weekend, considering how much he was sought after. So um, yeah, like I said, the Babe Ruth, the Michael Jordan, the John Coleman, the Don Bradman of our sport for me is... Uh, is still rich froning. Um, just to be fair, is there a female equivalent? We didn't have anyone as dominant as rich from the start. Um, it, it could well be Tia Claire Toomey, but perhaps Annie Thora's daughter um, could claim that mantle as well. She was the first back-to-back champion, um, but she wasn't she wasn't on another level the way that froning was clearly on a level in his four years at the top. So. Right now, there's probably not a female equivalent, but um, I'm sure. I'm sure. Look, geez, Tia would be moving towards it. That's probably a podcast for a or a topic for a different podcast, if you will. Okay, the uh, the third thing that I'd like to observe from the Tory and Pro, which I think is uh, is worth acknowledging, is that there's no such thing as a fitness slash CrossFit competition which is too big. Um, I think there seems to be this like, and I don't know if people like saying it because it makes them feel more old school, but there seems to be this thing about competitions that get bigger. It's like, oh, it was better when it was like back at the box or whatever it was. Like I didn't hear anyone and I've never heard anyone say that about Torians, just so we're clear. But I think it's like, it's something that you hear semi-frequently in in not just CrossFit, but probably a few different um, walks of life, just like this, oh, do you remember the good old days? And it's like, I, I, call, I call a bit of bullshit on that. Like, I think if the competition used to be better when it was smaller, it's not 
better because it was smaller. It's just maybe they did a few things better in those competitions. Sure, when the competition gets ramped up to involve more people, um, more complex workouts, more moving pieces, yeah, it's harder to control certain things. But I don't necessarily think that bigger automatically means that it loses the heart of, of that community feel that we get from a CrossFit competition. This competition, the Torium Pro, did a stunning job of involving uh, the community feel of a small competition um, and bringing it to a stadium where the elites were. I was um, so impressed with how the amateurs and the uh, pro-ams, as they called it, maybe call it a different name in the future, but whatever, it's all good, um, were competing all weekend with the pros and then they got to finish in the main stadium. I thought the size of the arena was perfect in terms of its viewability. I, I know I just said that like bigger doesn't automatically mean worse, but obviously to a point, like you couldn't run a CrossFit competition at the MCG and hope for it to be good viewing. But this was a, a perfectly sized stadium. Um, I think the interactions that the athletes got to have with the fans was absolutely perfect. There was a, a door when you walked in, it was to your left, where only athletes could go into, but they would need to walk to get to that door. They were accessible to the crowd for just the right amount of time, like an amount of time to get a photo, say hello, see your, your favorite CrossFitter up close, and then they had their own privacy, which they obviously need if they're going to compete. Um, yeah, I think... I think it's really worth noting that, yep, it's cool to have a competition at the affiliate, but don't view that just when it moves to like this stadium thing that all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's no longer a local CrossFit competition. Like this this competition, you, like almost anybody could have competed um, in like the, the pro-ams. Like, you know, obviously there's a competency that you need to have to compete in any CrossFit competition. But uh, yeah, I just thought it was wonderfully accessible and to me it it really it, it really warmed my heart to know that hey we can take these events to these bigger stadiums and it's still it's still got the heart of that uh, that classic crossfit competition um what's the uh what's the last thing that i learned from the torium pro um look I was trying to get a sense of where everyone was at. It's very early in the 2020 season. In saying that, we've already got a few people qualified um, for the games through the Open. Um, a number of women, actually, which is awesome. Um, I think it was probably a little bit of a checkpoint for a few athletes. The one athlete that I watched carefully all weekend, and he's a he's a really good fella, and he's he's been very generous with his time with me, particularly since he's got a little bit more notoriety. Was Matt McLeod? It wasn't Matt's weekend. Um, it doesn't always have to be your weekend. He's coming off a of very successful games. He's going to have a longer road back to full fitness than most other people due to the CrossFit games that he had. Um, he is going to have some work to do to get to the games. He can definitely win a sanctional. From what I saw at the Down Under Championship last year, he can definitely do that again. That was a remarkable effort, and he did it at the games, so we know he's got it in him. But keep in mind now that James Newbury hasn't qualified for the games, so he's going to be wanting to win a sanctional. Um, it's, 
it's going to be a tough road for Matty. And I think after having the year that he had last year, it's a very big ask. Like, what, what, what's he got to, what's he got to do now to, to, to beat last year? He's got to come in the top five at the CrossFit Games. Otherwise, he hasn't moved forward as such. I should call a bit of bullshit on that. Like, if Matt was to have a get back to the games and finish in fifteenth, there's a very good chance he could still be a better athlete than he was last year when he finished in the top five or six. So, um, I guess what I wanted to highlight is that. The field is so competitive, both men's and women's, that nobody is a guarantee. Absolutely nobody is a guarantee. I mean, as it stands right now, Matt Fraser finished third in the Open. Now, he's going to qualify because he's going to win the US spot. But, you know, everybody's beatable. And the same athlete that looks unbeatable on a certain day, like Matt McLeod at Down Under last year, if they're slightly uh, off the boil, they're slightly... Um, under the weather, well, you know, use whatever um, cliche you want to use. Uh, they're very beatable, um, and he, and he was he was not just getting beaten, but he was getting beaten comprehensively. Um, I think he'll bounce back. I hope he bounces back. But I guess for me, it just it really it makes the season exciting again. Like it's not always just going to be the same old faces at the CrossFit Games because you just you're just not like there's there's too many good, good people out there. There's just too many good people out there. Um, on that note, I'd like to think that we're going to see a number of people try to get there individually who went team last year. I don't think Jess Coughlin will. She's looking for a team, and you'd be mad not to snap her up if you had a spare um, female spot. But I would like to see... I can't see how they could all get there, but I would like to see Khan, Zeke, Brandon, um, Courtney, Haley. that is, um, Maddie Sturt, all back at the CrossFit Games. And the one that I think, I'm unsure exactly what his uh, his thoughts are now because we know Scott Panchek and Rich Froning are going to be the two male mayhem athletes. Roy's done. Like he was just, his fitness is so impressive. That sounds stupid to say about a CrossFit athlete. But he's known for being strong. But I just forgot how goddamn fit he is. Like he's such a big human and he can seriously move with some speed. And uh I think we sort of forgot about him because we didn't see him at an individual sanctionals last year. And uh, God, I'd, 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 uh, I'd warning, he sent warning signs to anyone who needs to go up against him. Anyway, guys, just thought I'd share my thoughts on the Torium Pro. I really, I went there not knowing what to expect from the move to the new um, arena. And I left on several levels excited about the future of Australian CrossFit, about the competitors, about the events we can hold and uh, just about the whole atmosphere of the thing. If anyone was there, I'm sure you'll agree. Um, Have yourself a good week or so until I speak to you next and keep converting pounds to kilos.